You can be seated. I want to thank all of you for coming out today and braving the cold and the snow and the treacherous conditions. You know, I think there's a lot more to being saved uh, than what we've made it. Uh, I don't know if God's ever spoken a scripture to you. And it's just one of those scriptures that kind of sticks with you and sticks with you for a while. And you kind of mull it over and you're thinking so much about it. And, you know, there's a, a scripture I'll share with you here shortly in a little bit that God really has spoke to me and, and caused me to think on. And, you know, I, I prayed and the Lord dropped this entire message just in my lap all at once. You know, I was speaking with someone before the service and, Sometimes you really got to seek the Lord and ask Him, God, speak to me so that I have a message. And, you know, this isn't one of those times. You know, I just sat down and God just poured this all out. And I pray this morning that you can receive this. It is kind of a particularly hard word, so I just pray that you receive it in the right spirit. John Hajar, can I ask you to please open up in prayer? We're going to start out with what I think is particularly scary bit of scripture um, and it's found in Matthew chapter 19 we'll put it up on the screens if you have your Bible flip to Matthew chapter 19 and we'll start reading with verse 16 I know many of you have read this before maybe you've heard people speak on it before the Bible says in verse 16 and behold one came and said unto him good master what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, yet what lack I? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, look up here for a minute. That particular story scares me just a little bit. There's something that kind of unnerves me a little bit. And I hope that it kind of unnerves you when I begin to explain. Because there's something deeper to salvation than what we have made it nowadays. Something so much more deeper than what it means to be saved. So much deeper than what we've made it nowadays. We have this rich young ruler that approaches the Lord Jesus. Now, I did a little bit of research, and not particularly here, but I believe Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this, this exchange between this rich young ruler and, and Jesus is found. It is recorded in those Gospels as well. Now, it calls him a ruler, a rich young ruler in one of those Gospels. I believe it is Luke. It calls him a ruler. Now, I checked out some things, read some commentary. You couldn't even actually achieve the title ruler in that time, in those biblical times, unless you had your house somewhat in order. You could not live righteously and like a wild man and a party animal and achieve the title ruler. 
So we can assume pretty safely that this man had to have had his life somewhat in order. He, he had to have his ducks in a row somewhat to achieve the title ruler for that time. Now, another thing about this rich young ruler, he must have made some effort. He must have given some conscious effort to obeying God's commands. Okay, he comes to the Lord Jesus and he wants eternal life. And he says, what must I do? And Jesus tells him a few of the Ten Commandments. And he responds, all these have I kept from my youth up. Meaning this guy has tried. He's tried. He knows God's law. He's trying to keep God's law just like we do. So we have this rich young ruler who's achieved the title of ruler in his life by having his life somewhat in order. He knows a little bit about Scripture. He's trying to be obedient to it. This man also, if you notice, he also desired eternal life. Think of the scores and scores of people that you work with, or some maybe in your family, that don't care whatsoever where they go. And I work with a guy who told me, I don't care what happens to me. He told me that to my face. So we look to see this man who comes before Jesus, has achieved this title. He knows a little bit about God's word. He also desires eternal life. So, you know, to me, this guy's kind of setting himself apart from just being a rank heathen. I know lots of people that they don't care where they're going. But yet this man comes to Jesus and says, I want eternal life. What do I got to do to gain eternal life? So this man, he must have cared somewhat about his eternal soul. He must have cared somewhat about where he was going when he died. Another thing about this man, he knew that he was lacking something. You see, he was already trying to attempt to obey God's law, to love his neighbor as himself, to not to steal, to honor his mother and his father. He was already trying to do that stuff, yet something deep down inside of this man told him, you lack something on your own. Even if you're trying to be obedient to God, you still lack something to get you to gain eternal life. See, something in this man spoke to him and, and compelled him. You, you, you need something more in your life so that you can gain eternal life. There's something else. There's something that you lack. Another thing that you can see about this man. So you can see this man, he's not just some rank heathen, some idiot. This, this man, he cares, he's trying to achieve eternal life. He cares. He wants, he's trying. He's making an effort. Another thing about this man, he knew enough to go to Jesus for answers. Amen? This guy didn't go to a priest. He didn't go to scribes of the time. He didn't go to the synagogue. He knew to approach Jesus with his uh, questions concerning eternal life. Something in t inside of him recognizes this man. I got to go to this man because this man has the answers for my questions concerning eternal life. I know that I lack something, so I have to approach this man with my questions for eternity. This, he, he can show me the right way. He can point me the right direction. He can tell me what I have to do. So you can see this man, he, he was genuine. He was legit. He's trying to gain eternal life. He's not just some rank, heathen, vile sinner that doesn't care, is blasphemous and loud, partying. This, this man is making an effort. He's trying to achieve eternal life. He's trying to gain salvation. He's trying to make it into heaven. And he wants to know, what do I got to do, Jesus? This guy's legit. He's not some rank heathen. He's sincere. This man is a spiritual person. He knows he lacks something. He earned the title ruler. 
He has some type of knowledge of the scriptures. He knew to go to Jesus concerning eternal life. He even called Jesus good master. He knew enough to call Jesus good master. In the commentary I read, it was not customary in those days to call people good. You didn't call, go up and say good scribe or good Pharisee. He knew enough to call him good master. He knew there was something about Jesus Christ. This guy is trying to gain eternal life. Yet, here's what scares me. In verse 21, Jesus tells this man, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, it, it scares me because I read this, and this guy, to me, he seems legit, like he really is trying. He really wants to get into heaven, yet this man goes away. He gets turned away from eternal life. This man didn't gain salvation. He goes away sorrowful for, because he had great possessions. He's turned away. All these good things that we just went through, these good qualities and good characteristics that this man possessed, he's trying to obey the Scriptures. He has a knowledge of the Scriptures. He knew to go to Jesus. Something inside him prompted him. I got to gain it. He gets turned away. What I read, this guy looks sincere, like he really is trying. He's not some jerk, some idiot that doesn't care. I don't care where I'm going. This guy's trying, but how come he gets turned away? he seemed legit to me, not some drunk off the street, but yet he did not gain eternal life in his exchange with Jesus. He did not gain it. He was turned away, went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now I want to stop here just for a minute, okay? It is human nature. I don't know what it is about us human beings that we always, always think it will never happen to me. Oh, that car, terrible car accident, it won't happen to me. It'll be someone else. It's not going to be me that gets diagnosed with cancer. It'll be someone else. You know, we aren't that, are we that way? Amen. That's how we are. Well, that also rolls right over into us church folks. You know, the pastor's not preaching about me. It's always for someone else. Oh, I want to ask you, if at all possible, Come out of that just for once. Come out of that for this morning and realize that I'm actually preaching to you this morning. Okay? To you. Many times I've sat in a pew and I thought, man, this is good for so-and-so. You know, that, that's, that's our human nature. That's how we are. It's never, the finger's never pointing at us. Amen? Now listen, this morning I am talking to you. Okay? Now hear the word of the Lord this morning, okay? You are that rich young ruler. Do you hear me? You are that rich young ruler in this exchange with Christ. You are He. I am also desiring eternal life, trying to obey the Scriptures. I knew it would get quiet there. We are the rich young ruler. Now you want to say it to me right off the bat. Uh, you were doing a good job, but you lost me there, young man. 
you lost me because in the first place I'm not rich. I disagree with you. Flat out, I disagree. You are rich. Every single person in this auditorium is rich. You just don't know it. In a little while, we'll dismiss, and every single one of us will go again in our vehicles. We'll go home. Some of us may go to a restaurant. We'll have a decent meal. But none of us, not a single person in here, will be dressed in ragged clothes and have to walk back in the cold to underneath the bridge because we're homeless and starved because we have no food. You understand that? We are rich, you just don't know it. We have homes, we have vehicles, we have bank accounts, we have jewelry, we have nice clothing. We are rich, you just don't know it. You don't realize it, okay? So you are rich. Has anyone ever traveled outside of the United States to see what poor people really look like? I have. If you haven't, let let me enlighten you and tell you what I saw with my own eyes, okay? I think it was roughly eight years ago, my wife and I went on a vacation. We went to Jamaica, and man, it was a blast. Jamaica is very, very beautiful, very beautiful. I hope that when I get to heaven, I can live somewhere like that and have church services on a beach like that. It is awesome. There are crystal clear water, beaches. There's even mountains. I mean, it's just beautiful wildlife, always sunny and warm. It's beautiful. Well, we went to this resort and I noticed right off the resort, very beautiful. Everyone very nice, fine food, nice place to stay, hang out on the beach. But I noticed that resort was gated and there were armed guards all around it. You know, I didn't think too much about it, but a few days later, we went on an excursion and we jumped on this little mini bus and we're driving. And, you know, I'm ignorant to, to the land of Jamaica. I've never been there before. And we're driving all around and I begin to notice, and I'm being honest with you, these, I guess we'll call them structures, they honestly looked like uh, overgrown, dilapidated dog houses. And I'm being serious. Now, here's why I say you're rich and you don't know it, is because I was so naive. You know, I just, uh, us Americans, we're naive to what really being poor is. I was so naive that I actually became friends with the bus driver. You know, I had a lot of questions. I was asking stuff about this and that and you know, there were like goats in the middle of the street. And I would say, who's goats that? I mean, there were no fences, no, no anything. So I was asking him some questions, kind of just chit-chatting with him. And I saw these structures. And I was so naive. I said, well, what are those? And he said, oh, those there. And they were all over the place. And he said, those are people's homes. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, I mean, now it had looked like people had taken whatever they could find, uh, you know, if a, they get a lot of hurricanes and stuff down there. And when it blows down, like street signs and billboards, the people take these, and that's like the walls of their homes. And then they, they maybe were 10 feet by 10 feet. And, uh, you know, if a, something fell off, they'd take an old street sign and put it up there, and that was their wall. And the man told me, he said, those people, you'd be lucky if they have one light socket inside of that. No running water, no, no nice toilets, just one light socket, if they're lucky, inside of these structures, and that was people's homes. 
See, people lived there, and, and I got to looking, and there were people going in and out of them, sitting near them. See, you are rich. You just don't know it, is what I'm telling you. You are the rich young ruler. Now, I know you're thinking, well, what in the world are you talking about? This guy didn't make heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not like the rich young ruler. On well, the first place, we established the fact that you are rich. Every one of us is rich. From young teenagers to old folks, we're rich. This rich young ruler had some form of background in the scriptures. We have some form of background in the scriptures. Amen? I don't know about you, but I try to obey the Ten Commandments. Sometimes I make a mistake, but... I'm not going to steal because the Bible says don't steal. Rich young ruler, he didn't want to steal anything because the Scripture told him not to steal. We, we both have some form of background in the Scriptures. This man's trying to observe God's law. We're trying to observe God's law, just, just like each other. He knew to go to Jesus for answers. We know to go to Jesus for answers. Something in him prompted him, that's the one you need to go to, Jesus. Something inside of us, you're obviously at church this morning, something prompted you. You need to go to Jesus for answers. We are the rich young ruler. This man desired eternal life. I don't know about you, but I desire eternal life. I don't want to be sent into eternal flames. I want to be in heaven with God. Same exact way this young man felt. He wanted eternal life. He knew he lacked something. We know we lack something. Amen? I know that I can't just try my hardest and try to not steal things, not murder anyone, and then I can make it into heaven. I know I lack something on my own. I know I need something more than just whatever I can do, than my efforts. I know I need something. Rich young ruler, he felt the same exact way. He was already trying to obey the scriptures. He was already trying to obey God's command. Yet he knew too, I lack something. There's something more. There's something I got to do. I, I don't know. There's something I need to go to Jesus and find out what it is. Same exact way with us. We know there's something that we need to do to gain eternal life more than just saying, well, I'm going to try to obey the scriptures. We're just like the rich young ruler. Just like him. Now, how come, here's where things can get ugly, okay? We're just like the rich young ruler. Yet, how come the rich young ruler got turned away from eternal life? He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He got turned away. You know, I have great possessions too. You know, I'm starting to get scared here because I got to come to my house. Anybody's welcome to stop out sometime, open up my garage door. And look inside my garage, man, I got all kind of stuff. You know, I can say that somewhat confidently because I can come pay you a visit. Open up your garage and you got tons of stuff. Do we not have all kinds of possessions? How in the world then are we different than the rich young ruler? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm on my way to heaven and he got turned away. Now, why is that? This man was genuine too. He wanted to gain eternal life. He's trying to obey he went to Jesus Christ. Then how come he's, going, he, he's not going to make it and we are? What's the difference? All of us are going to heaven. I'm going to heaven, but he didn't make it. You want to say, well, the difference is, is because I believe in Jesus. You know, he didn't believe in Jesus. Well, obviously, he must have believed in him somewhat to go to Jesus for his questions to eternal life. You want to say, well, 
because I, I said a prayer of salvation. I said, Lord, come into my heart. Lord, forgive my sins. Therefore, I get to go to heaven. And that's why he didn't get to go to heaven. He didn't say that. Well, how come then when Jesus is talking with this rich young ruler and he's right there, they're face to face talking. Why then didn't Jesus tell that man, just say a prayer, believe in me and all is well, my child, and you'll gain eternal life. You see, that bothers me because I would rather Jesus just told him that. Just believe in me and everything is well. Just say this prayer and all is well. See, I would have been okay with that. But let's look at what Jesus actually does tell this man. It's found in verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Uh, you might think, so, so then, brother, you're telling me to go sell all of my stuff, give it to the poor, then I can gain eternal life? Not necessarily. Ultimately, what Jesus tells this man, well, and I repeat, I, I would have rather if Jesus said, just believe. Or Jesus said, just repeat this prayer. Because that would have been easy for me. But Jesus tells this man to go sell all of his stuff. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And he goes away sad because he had a lot of stuff. Now you might think, I'm telling you to go sell all your stuff. And I'm not. I, I actually don't believe things in themselves will send you to hell. I don't believe that. But ultimately what the Lord Jesus is telling this man, as he tells him to go sell all your things... You have treasures in heaven come. Well, ultimately what he's telling this young, rich young ruler who desires eternal life, sincerely coming, asking, ultimately what he's telling him is this. If you cannot put me above everything in your life, above everything, above your possessions, above your wife, your husband, your spouse, your children, your career, if you can't put me above Everything in your life, I can't grant you eternal life, man. That, that's what he's telling them. You see, we look at it as, oh, you're saying I got to go sell all of my stuff. No, I think that Jesus was so wise, and many times he does in scriptures, he can perceive things, see? And I think Jesus looked at this man with love, but perceived that this man's things meant so much to him that even though this man was sincere in his desire for eternal life, Jesus knew and perceived that he wouldn't put Christ above those things. So Jesus said the one thing to this man that this man would not do, that this man could not do because of his love for things. Whatever your thing is, I don't know what it is, but it had better be below Christ. I, I believe that the rich young ruler... Would have, put top, would have put Christ, I'll even go as far as to say, in his top three things of priorities of his life. Maybe he would have even put Christ at number two. That important. I mean, that, that's pretty important. If you put something as the second most priority in your life, I'd say that's pretty important. Wouldn't you? That's pretty, pretty important. But Christ is saying, if you can't put me above, put everything else below me. Even your very own spouse, even your very own family, your plans, job, career, possessions, things. If you can't put me above that stuff, I can't give you eternal life. That's what Jesus told him. 
You can't put me above. I can't, I can't give you eternal life. And the man goes away sad because this man was honest. He couldn't do it. More or less, Jesus told him, show me that I am your master. Come and go with me. Be where I am. Go where I go. Follow me and serve in my kingdom. Forsake everything that you once knew and come after me and obey me and follow me. That's what Jesus told him. Follow me and serve in my Father's kingdom. If you can't put Christ above everything else in your life, He can't grant you eternal life. Now, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but that's how it is. I'll even go so far as to say, you better be willing to get rid of all your possessions if that's what He should so desire. I'm not telling you to go sell all your stuff, but if that's what the Lord speaks into your life, you'd better obey it. If he tells you to go be a missionary, if he tells you to be a pastor, evangelist, if he tells you to be a factory worker, a truck driver, you'd better be obedient to it. Because he cannot give you heaven if you don't put him above all else. He cannot. I know that God is loving and the Lord loves us, but he's a just God. Understand that? He can't overlook things that are wrong. He can't. He's bound to it because he's just. He has to. He goes away sad because he was not willing. He was not willing to put Christ above his things. We should, do, we should take note that Jesus didn't just say to this man, just repeat after me or say this quick prayer or just believe me. We should take note of that. I think that's significant. You know what my point is today is there's something just a little more to being saved than what we've made it. We've made it just a quick prayer. We've made it a you know, just say this. We've made it a just believe and there's mo- nothing more to it. We've watered it down. We've cheapened what it means to be born again. Now here, I want to read to you the scripture that's just been on my heart for a couple months and I keep thinking about it. And there's something to this scripture. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And we'll skip the first part of that verse. But the end, towards the end of that part, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, salvation isn't just a whimsical decision. Salvation is more than just, well, I don't want to go down to a fiery pit. I want to go to heaven. Now, the Bible says, work it out with fear and trembling. I pray that scripture just sets in on you this morning. I pray that that scripture that you can't get rid of it this week, that it's just deep down inside of you and you think about it at work. You think about it when you're asleep. There's something to being saved more than what we've made it. To be born of God. And there's something deep to it. Now I know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10. I know that the Bible says confess with your mouth. I know that the Bible says believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. I know that. I'm not making light of that. Who am I to to contradict the Scriptures? No, I can't. I'm bound to the Scriptures that they are true. The, The Bible is where our doctrine comes from. I know that the Bible says you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and you will be saved. I understand that. I'm not saying anything against that. But what I'm saying is when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, man, you finally showed up to the race is all that means. 
You finally found the starting line. You see, all the people out there that aren't saved, I mean, they're not even at the track meet. They don't even know there's a race going on. When you finally confess the Lord Jesus' name and you finally believe on him in your heart, man, you've finally shown up to the race. You finally found there's a starting line. That starting line is confessing the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart. Wow, and now you're unblinded and now you see there's a race that you're supposed to run. You finally made it to the meet. Congratulations. But guess what? There's an entire race ahead of you. You understand it? There's a, a big, long race, however long your race may be, 10 years, 20 years, or 85 years. There's a race in front of you. That starting line is not the end. That's the beginning. When you confess on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the very beginning. That is, we've made it the end. You understand? We've made the starting line the finish line. Just say this prayer, man, and, and you're, you got heaven. And I'm sorry, but I disagree. That's the starting line. You see, beyond that starting line is an entire race. You see, and you run that race, and guess what's after that race? There's a finish line. Guess what's after that finish line? Eternal life. Eternal life is out there beyond the finish line. It's not at the starting line. You see, us church people, we are so good. Us New Hope folks, I'll even go so far to say, we're so good at coming to that starting line. We are. I could ask every individual in here, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Have you confessed him? Yes. Do you believe that God hath raised him from the dead? Yes. We're good at that part. And we got that down. Church folks all across the world, we've got that down. You see, but we've made salvation, that, that's it. There's, there's nothing more. You don't have to do anything after that. You're good. When God has called us to obedience, God has called us to serve in his kingdom. There's an entire race ahead of us. That's the part we're no good at. See, we're good at showing up to the track meeting. Man, I'm saved and I'm confessing Jesus. I'm believing on him. Hey, there's a race. But we're no good. We're kind of stinky at running the race. We're not very good at finding that finish line. You see, we find this starting line and we take off and after a while, eh, it's a walk. Then you turn to the left and turn to the right. Or some of us are standing on a racetrack like this, not even moving. Amen? Amen. Bible tells us, run that ye may obtain. Try to win that race. There is more to salvation than what we've made it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Eternal life lies beyond the finish line. Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good battle. I've run a good race. Yes, God cares if you confessed his name. Yes, God cares that you believe. But be careful because the demons and devils believe just like you do. They know he's the son of God. They know he's raised from the dead. So if you want to come at me and tell me, I believe I'm going to heaven. I hope, I hope it works out for you if that's all you do. Is all, if all you can tell me is I believe and you do nothing for the kingdom of God, I will just, I'll tell you, you're standing at the starting line. There's a whole race ahead of you and there's a finish line. And beyond that finish line, that's where eternal life is. Run that you may obtain. Try to win. Oh, we're so good at confessing the Lord Jesus. We're so good at believing in him. 
but we're not too good at crossing the finish line. This might come as a wild shock to all of you, but not all of us are going to make it in. Not all of us are. You see, somewhere along the lines, I don't know when and where this has happened, but somewhere along the lines, we have made heaven a broad path full of all of our friends. And it is not a broad path full of all of our friends. The way to eternal life, the Bible says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way to eternal life. And few there be that find it. Only a few of us are going to find that straight and narrow path and walk it. Only few. Not broad, not wide, not all of your homies are going to be with you. It is straight and it is narrow. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be which find it. Well, I'm going to say something that, might, that you might disagree with. But let me have a moment to explain myself. I believe that our chances of making it into heaven are slim. You understand me? Hear the word of the Lord this morning. I promise he has spoken all this to me. Our chances are slim. They're slim chances. Uh, not me, brother. I'm going to heaven, man. But we like to think of sinners. We like to think of heathens as and people that are on their way to hell, we like to classify them as murderers, rapists, and thieves. And, and those pe- they're going to hell. Drunkards, they're going to hell. Those are the people that are going to hell, not me. Then what about the rich young ruler? This guy desired heaven. He, he acknowledged Jesus as the, as the one to get him to heaven. He knew to go to Jesus. You see, that's why this is so scary, because this man was legit. And this man was trying. He was trying to obey. It's just like me. He was rich just like I'm rich. I got lots of possessions just like him. What do you mean my chances are slim, man? I'm going to heaven. Well, then can you tell me, please tell me, because I've been trying to figure out for the life of me, how can I get a camel to pass through the eye of a needle? I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And you understand, those are my chances of getting into heaven. I got to figure a way to get this camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And we all know what a needle looks like. The tip of a needle, we know what that looks like. We know I don't know, the average height of a camel is 12 feet, 14 feet. They're huge, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. How can I get it to pass through the eye of a needle? Those are the chances I got to make it into heaven. They're slim, church. It is not a broad path to heaven. It is not fun-filled with all of your buddies. It's narrow, and it's straight, and few find it. Those are my chances of making it into heaven. I pray this morning that every single individual here will work out their own salvation in fear and trembling. Don't just come tell me I'm on my way to heaven because I said a prayer. You don't just bebop your way into heaven. Maybe, Maybe you're getting frustrated with me this morning. Maybe you're having a hard time understanding. Maybe you think I'm telling you, well, what's your problem, man? You're making heaven so impossible to achieve. You're setting the bar so, so high that I can't make it. You're pretty much telling me I can't make it. You're pretty much telling me I'm impossible or it's impossible to make it in. Maybe you're going to look at me and say, then brother, who in the world can be saved? If it's so hard to make it in, 
if this rich young ruler, if I'm just like him, you're pretty much telling me I can't make it because I can't get a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. I will tell you, now you're starting to think along the right lines. Now you're starting to think right. You see, because as Jesus is talking with the rich young ruler, his disciples are right there listening to it all. You see, they're, they're, they're watching Jesus speak to this man, and they're hearing his response, and Jesus responds, and they're listening, they're listening. And these disciples, they see this legit man. The disciples see, man, all that comes before him are heathens, drunks, this and that. If anyone's worthy, if anyone's somewhat legitimate to make it into heaven, it should be this man because this guy's trying. Look at him. He's not a mess. He's got his house in order. He knew to come to you. He's been trying to obey the scriptures. He knows he lacks something. He, he admits that he lacks something. Jesus, are you sure you're right? Because this guy, man, he's trying. You, you sure you can't get him into heaven? People like him belong on their way to heaven. He's a good dude. He's church folk. How are you going to turn him away? If anyone should go, he should. Yet, the rich young ruler gets turned away. Verse 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now listen, verse 25. When the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? You see, they saw Jesus talking with this dude, and he seemed like he was worthy to get into heaven. And the disciples, they saw this, and he gets turned away. The Bible says they were exceedingly amazed. And they said, Then who can be saved, God? Who can be saved? You're making it impossible. It's impossible for me to be saved then. You're saying I can try, I can know the word, I'm, I'm coming to you, yet this guy gets turned away. Who in the world can be saved then, Jesus? You see, I believe it is good to think that way. When you enter into your prayer room, I believe it is good to have that mindset. Because if you ever have the mindset, yeah, I'm going to heaven, man, I'm going right in. Ah, this is a dangerous way to think. I think you should proceed with fear and trembling on that straight and narrow path. It's not a, a dance to heaven. It's not a good old time to heaven. You proceed with caution in fear and trembling, walking in faith. You run that race and you cross the finish line. Who then can be saved? You know, I have felt that way. And I think that's what led to this. But I have prayed. There's been times I've prayed and I've told God, I've read this. And the disciples, you can see their frustration. Who in the world can be saved? And I've told God the same thing. God, I can't be saved. I'm not, I'm not good. I'm not a good person. I want to be. I wish I was. How, how can I be saved, Lord? You know, there's been times that my sins have weighed heavily upon me, and I've come before God, and I think about my sins, and I say, Lord, who in the world can be saved? The standard's set too high. I can't do it, Lord. I don't know how to get a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It's impossible for me to be saved. And my friends, being born again, being saved, being born of God, is, it's more than just whispering a prayer. It's more than just saying you believe. Verse 26 says, 
But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You want to make it to heaven? Then Christ Jesus is your one and only hope that you have. That is the only tiny shred of hope that you have. If you put him above all, if you put him above everything in your life, and you spend the rest of your life serving the Lord Jesus with your eyes on the prize, and you run that race that you may obtain, Jesus being the author and the finisher of your faith, that's how you get saved. To find salvation is to get to the starting line, run the race, and cross the finish line into eternal life. With your eyes on Jesus. Now I'm going to bring this to a close. Verse 29 says, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, brethren, sisters, fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. That's how high the standard is. You have to put Christ so far above everything else in your life, even your own family, all of your possessions, all of your money, all of your hopes and aspirations and dreams and goals. God is above absolutely everything unquestionably. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be on your way to heaven. I pray that every one of us proceeds down the straight and narrow with caution because few there be that find it. Amen? Let's all stand. We can turn these lights low. I'm going to open up these altars. Mike, if you have something. Church, spend some time praying, talking to God. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Amen.